Travel, Truth and Lies Unmasked. Written by Martin Lindstrom. Read by Alan Medcroft. Chapter 4. Discovering a tiny, invisible and contaminated souvenir. We all know that flying a helicopter or a private jet is dangerous. In fact, the risk is 60 times higher than flying on a regular commercial plane. Even taking Amtrak, America's national intercity railroad, is 20 times riskier than flying with a commercial operator like American or British Airways. However, topping the chart of all forms of transportation is driving your own car. No offence intended. Driving on a daily basis for a year comes in at a whopping 453 times higher than taking one flight on a commercial airline. So, for infrequent flyers, the risk of that one flight per year logs in at a bit less than the long-term risk of driving. Though the more often you fly, of course, the greater the risk. In comparison, even your mother's ultimate dread, skydiving, is 24 times safer than driving. Yes, here it is in black and white. Driving is a genuinely perilous undertaking. So, now that we've determined how much safer it is to board a commercial airline than to drive, fly a helicopter, or even jump out of an airplane, what impact has the COVID-19 situation had on the risk of commercial flying? I decided to ask Fergus Simpson, PhD. Cambridge University astrophysicist and senior machine learning researcher at artificial intelligence pioneer Prowler.io. I fed him my insights from the Hong Kong to Beijing flight and asked him to calculate the authentic risk of flying during the pandemic. Needless to say, given the endless list of unknown factors, this isn't a straightforward calculation. For instance, where your flight originates has a big impact on the end result. If you're one of the lucky ones starting your journey in Auckland, New Zealand, your risk of contracting COVID-19 on the plane would be pretty close to zero. At the time I wrote this chapter, there were currently zero Kiwis with COVID-19. Contrast this with passengers flying out of Madrid, Spain, where nearly one person out of every 200 is infected. Other factors that we need to recognise as having an impact are the length of the flight, since passengers move around more on a longer flight, which has been proven to correlate with the risk of contracting COVID-19, the number of fellow passengers, and the onboard service level, since frequent interaction with staff is another factor. In other words, asking the flight attendant your silly questions about the danger of contracting the coronavirus is, itself, an activity that makes you prone to contracting the virus. Since the first time we heard the phrase coronavirus, the experts have been telling us to watch out for two different methods of transmission. First, they've told us that we spread it when we sneeze, cough, shout, sing, talk, and even simply breathe. Coronavirus-infected droplets float from our mouths, travel in the air, and enter the mouths, nostrils, and even eyes of other people. And second, the virus lurks on various surfaces, waiting for us to touch them, pick up the virus on our fingertips, and transfer the virus to our faces. In the case of the Hong Kong to Beijing flight, 
it's pretty apparent that transmission from the passenger in seat 14E was as a result of aerosol transmission, not by surface-to-hand-to-mouth. So, as we think about the safety level of flying, it's important to consider the nature of the air inside the airliner. Some people claim that the quality of airflow in an airliner differs substantially depending on where in the plane you happen to be situated. They make the somewhat natural assumption that economy-class passengers are left with the worst possible air quality imaginable. The air starts utterly fresh in the cockpit, then flows to the cabin crew in the galley. Along with their champagne bubbles, first-class passengers inhale air so nearly perfect that they can easily imagine themselves high up on a pristine mountaintop. Then, it's circulated to business-class passengers. And finally, it ends with you, in seat 57F, right next to the lavatory. Do you have sufficient imagination to picture that snow-draped alp? Probably not. According to this scenario, you're stuck with stale, pre-used air that makes you worry, how can you help yourself from wondering, if it's infused with coronavirus. All this while exercise videos on the screen instruct you to take an extra deep breath in and out while counting the days you have left to live. Well, the experts at ProTech and airline engineers tell me that when it comes to airflow in an airliner, we'd be wise to think again. First of all, they tell me airflow on all modern planes is equally distributed throughout the entire cabin including lavatories and economy class. And no, I'm not suggesting a connection here. In fact, several insiders claim to me that it is safer to be seated in economy class than in first class. Go figure. Airflow through the entire cabin is so intense that all the air is completely recirculated every three to five minutes. In addition, planes built after 1992, 90% of the operating fleet, are equipped with high-efficiency particulate air filters, also called HEPA filters. The same filters you'll find in certain super-premium vacuum cleaners that are intended for purchase by people suffering from severe allergies. They are the same as those used in hospital operating theatres. Don't be fooled by certain less-than-trustworthy economy airline operators who claim their filters are safer than those of other airlines. The experts tell me that this is simply untrue. Almost all airliners' air filters are equally safe. What I learned is that the breathing of an ill person, like passenger 14E, is not more likely to spread the virus on an airliner than in any other fairly confined space. In fact, an ex-Royal Air Force operations manager I interviewed argued that airline air is actually safer compared to the air in your office or even at home, as the HEPA filters take out 99.95% of microbe particles. So, what about surface-to-hand-to-mouth transmission? From the beginning of the pandemic, we've all taught ourselves the proper 20 seconds long method of washing our hands, and we've learned to turn doorknobs with our elbows. However, as more data has poured in, the Centers for Disease Control has waffled on the danger of surface transmission. Now the CDC says, it may be possible that a person can get COVID-19 by touching a surface or object that has the virus on it 
and then touching their own mouth, nose, or possibly their eyes. Since it may be possible to acquire the virus by surface contact, let me give you a brief quiz. How risky do you rank the COVID-19 danger zones on a commercial airliner? Let's start with the epicentre of all in-flight horrors, the lavatory. Consider the handle on the inside and outside lavatory door, the tap, and the already mysteriously preheated toilet seat. Or what about the touchscreen? Touch, you get it. And the monitor. For some reason, you're always forced to wrestle with the monitor, reaching with both hands into that hole while trying to pull out the screen. And let's not neglect that perennial hotspot, the fold-down table lock. It's situated just in front of your eyes and mouth, as it's also been situated in front of the eyes and mouths of the previous 116 passengers who've been assigned the same seat over the past month. One passenger after another has coughed and sneezed while pushing and twisting the little lock, while desperately trying to fold out that dirty tray table while a less-than-patient cabin crew member waits in the aisle with your bag of pretzels and cup of lukewarm, chlorine-flavoured water. If you feel like these items I've just described are the true danger zones aboard an airliner, think again. In fact, the experts at ProTech tell me that none of the above should worry us very much. Counterintuitive as it may sound, the spots we perceive as most contaminated are typically the most hygienic, for the simple reason that we're overly cautious in those areas. Nearly every person who interacts with those spots treads carefully, touches invisibly threatening surfaces with napkins, showers themselves in hand sanitizer, and struggles against the airflow to place one sheet of toilet paper after another elegantly on the toilet seat to create a clean surface on which to perch one's bare bum. Typically, we should instead be watching for danger in spots where we're distracted by our subconscious sense of security. Or perhaps from a neuroscientific point of view, spots we associate with a perception of safety, even though they may be a far cry from it. Announcements over the loudspeaker serve to camouflage one of those items behind a layer of perceived safety. I'm talking about the seatbelt buckle. Did you ever consider that this shiny, truly life-saving piece of metal could be a potential COVID-19 danger? Actually cleaning them never appears on any airline's sanitation protocol. They frequently remind their passengers, safety is our first priority. In terms of a crash, maybe, but not at all in terms of cleanliness. They fold the belts neat and tidy across the seats, creating the illusion that the buckles have been cleaned but the last passenger's fingerprints, bacteria and viruses remain as invisible souvenirs for the next passenger to share and enjoy. Imagine how many hands have dipped into the seat pocket and handled the magazines and safety placards. Reaching down into the lucky dip, have you ever discovered a less than pleasant surprise hidden down there? I know I have. Another please-do-not-touch spot is the top of each seat. How many hundreds of passengers have used them as navigation crutches, acting semi-blindfolded, stalked by bad luck unless they systematically place a hand on each and every seat top the whole way back to seat 57F? Or even worse, 
the passenger who reaches for the seat top to pull himself up and inevitably grabs a handful of your hair. A leisure traveller I interviewed told me, we should know not to do that, but people just don't know how to act when travelling. And you didn't think about this, did you? What about your socks? 20% of passengers visit the lavatories without shoes. As they shuffle down the aisle and do their business in the lav, like a sponge, their socks absorb, well, let's just say everything that's been sprinkled, dripped and dropped on the floor. And then back in their seats, how many of those shoeless passengers massage their sore feet, contaminate their fingers and sometime in the next few minutes absent-mindedly touch their faces, their armrests, the fold-down tray and the window shade? If you pay close attention to these various problem areas, then you should be in pretty good shape. You see, the reality is that the very moment we walk down the aero bridge, mental alarm bells flash, leading us to what psychologists call consciously aware behaviour. Remember the first time you drove a car, so anxious to avoid a crash that you saw, heard and noticed everything with a total intense focus. As time passed, your consciously aware behaviour became unconscious, embedded into your routines and into your bad habits. Gradually, you began to feel tempted by all the less clever things to do, like texting and driving. Which brings me back to Professor Simpson's calculation of the risk of flying in these COVID-19 times. According to Professor Simpson, the risk of contracting and dying of COVID-19 while flying from all sources of transmission, aerosol and surface, is, in fact, a minuscule 0.01% if you're in a vulnerable category, and as low as 0.0001% if you're under 40 years of age. The risk of catching COVID-19 on a flight is currently around 1 in 1,000, or 0.1%. Stated another way, you're at no greater risk of contracting COVID-19 on a commercial airliner and dying from it than you are of suffering a fatal accident while driving your own car. Curiously, the actual danger zone for airline travellers isn't in the air. It's to be encountered somewhere else. It's a place that may have you shivering uneasily, though for completely different reasons than what you might think. This podcast is brought to you by Intertech Protec, world leaders in health, safety, and well-being assurance. Discover more at protech.com.